0: And welcome back to another Music Ally Focus with me, Music Allies editor Joe Sparrow, and I'm joined, uh, returning after a two-week break, uh, Music Allies head of insight, our very own Stuart Dredge, hi, Stu. Hello, you're back.
1: You've had proper experts on the last two weeks.
0: (laughs) You have been missed. uh, Although uh, we did get really good listener figures for the two when you weren't here, so I don't know if that was a coincidence. Anyway. We're going to uh, chat to you today um, about uh, one of the most meaningful music business stories. And it will be brief. It will take about the same time as it would take competitive eater and YouTube personality, LA Beast, whose real name is Kevin, to open and eat all of the chocolate from 15 advent calendars. Uh, LA Beast ate all of the chocolate in an advent calendar uh, in one minute and 27 seconds in December 2017.
1: Why was it 15 and not 24? That's disappointing.
0: I mean, he could only do that many in 15 minutes, approximately. Okay. You know, it's it's just a rough calculation. Yeah. Uh, I'm extrapolating. I don't think he's tried to uh, go for 15 <laughs> yet. But I have watched this man eat a pineapple whole, so uh, he, can, he can do anything. Anyway, Stu, um, speaking of eating something whole, uh, Apple has uh, bought Prime Phonic, which is a, a dedicated classical music streaming platform. Um, perhaps a little bit unexpected, but... Uh, something really interesting because they're buying a dedicated streaming platform in the classical area. And that gives us a bit of a chance to talk about uh, these uh, sort of more niche streaming services. But first of all, what have Apple done and why have they done it?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we I remember we wrote about Prime Phonic when it launched in 2017. So Prime Phonic was a, a, a download store before that. It was kind of an iTunes of classical music. And they launched this streaming service. And in the recent years, I've kind of just carried on plugging away of kind of developing features, building a catalogue of classical music. Um, and yeah, so Apple has bought them. Um, it's going to shut down uh, on September the 7th. And then it's going to return early next year, according to Prophonic, As So Apple described it as a significantly improved classical music experience. and um, Primephonic used similar language. So not only is it going to mean it's going to work within Apple Music, but there's going to be some kind of, and it's, it's unclear whether it's like a separate app or whether it's part of a music separate section, mm. but it's going to be a, a classical-focused bit, which is kind of exciting news for the classical music world, with reasons we're going to discuss, I think.
0: Yes, now that, that's the first interesting part, isn't it? Whether they're going to keep it as a separate app or, or, or fold it into um, the existing Apple Music, and it's... I mean, we don't know, but it would sort of—it sort of seems like the the way to play it with classical music is to keep it separate, doesn't it? As a kind of isolated, uh, you know, isolating that kind of music experience from the riffraff of pop music. <laughs> um, which, not that I'm not that I'm uh, stereotyping classical music fans at all. Um, but I mean, this is a common approach, isn't it, of classic classical music streaming platforms, and they provide a sort of fundamentally different service. If we look at the main um uh, music streaming platforms of sort of pop music uh all or, or the rest of music you know it's it's generally sort of you know a, a black hole of all the music isn't it but that, with with the exception you can see some uh, similarities here with um apple music where they've they've tried to provide context to the music with radio shows and uh one-off programming and things like that so what briefly has prime phonic been doing differently in terms of in relation to a standard streaming app and what do you think apple might keep the same and change
1: well so to some extent it was set up like some of its rivals in that, in that area to try and do a better experience for classical music because it is it's its own field really because not only do you have orchestras quartets uh, individual performers so you have the equivalent of artists Uh, You have the equivalent of tracks and albums in terms of pieces and then wider wider pieces. But you've also got who composed it, who was the conductor. Um, The same orchestra may record something twice, several years apart. Like there's a a, a whole extra few layers of metadata. And on traditional dreamers, they don't do that very well. So if you're looking for a particular version of, I don't know, we should pick the the most mainstream thing, Vivaldi's Four Seasons... It's, it's very hard to find the one you want, let alone find the best one if you're not an expert So So that's what it was set up to do, is to actually help help classical music fans um, get the stuff they want more easily. And also to try and, I mean, these services all wanted to attract mainstream listeners too, and they wanted to make it, this world accessible to them, help them navigate their way through to find the good stuff. So it's been doing that, so that, that's part. it's been solving the problems that it saw existing on big streaming service. And then it's been doing some interesting stuff. So, so, for example, we talked to them last year. They had a roundtable with journalists, and they were talking about they launched these podcasts, which had interviews with composers, orchestras, or, or musicians, and also had the music embedded in them. Which, is, at that time, wasn't being done by the big streaming services. You know, podcasts with music in them was problematic for licensing and all kinds of reasons. And they fa- found out ways to do it. Obviously, helped by the fact classical music, there's there's a, licensing is different because some of this stuff is public domain the recordings aren't yeah so you can but yeah so they've they've basically tried to innovate in around content and around navigation and ui and recommendations so they've been tackling some of the same problems that the big streaming services like music are but they've also been doing it from firmly from a view of like okay how do we serve classical fans and how do we bring people in to classical who maybe are, are kind of more on the surface of it
0: and just to jump in, if you're finding this useful and you crave even more of Stu's in-depth news and trusted analysis waiting for you in your email inbox every morning, uh, head on over to musically.com slash subscribe. Don't forget, as ever, indie labels, artist managers or publishers uh, could be eligible for one of our sponsored complimentary subscriptions as well. Okay, back to Stu. I mean, this is something which um, is of extreme interest to anybody who's operating in the um, streaming space, and it's interesting you say there that they're, they're providing navigation and context, something which I think historically people perhaps, if they're being critical about, a lot of the mainstream streaming platforms would say is missing, you know, that context is missing, context is important, and all of a sudden albums of songs are atomized and split into playlists, and um, artists are, are sort of... F- a lot of them could be relatively unimportant. They don't have a fan base, it's just they have fans of a certain song. So this is a little bit of a shift, um, or or potentially a bit of a shift. It could bleed across into other more mainstream services. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the interesting part there is this idea that classical music is fundamentally different and there are many versions of the same composition. And to an ignoramus like me, they all sound the same and i oh, don't know where we're going to
1: gonna start, get letters you know, they, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get letters now no no, no it's
0: I'm, I'm, I'm talking from the perspective of ignorance as always um, but you know I, I don't know where to start with classical music and like as i don't with jazz and um, these kind of more uh, impenetrable um, Niches of you know, huge niches of music, and and they're providing that navigation around it. Whereas with popular culture and popular music, you sort of feel like that you're being bombarded with it on so many different platforms. You you, you find your way in anyway. Um, so on that front, in terms of guidance and um, context are there any patterns here in what's happening across the streaming space, whether it's niche or whether it's uh, mainstream? Because it seems to be this is the one of the things that they're trying to do across the board, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting. I mean, classical music is, is really interesting in another way um, because on one level, like you say, people think, I don't know about classical music, I don't know how to get into it. And, and that is true. But at the same time, you've had this explosion in, for example, peaceful piano playlists or mood playlists on Spotify, which some of the biggest categories are... Essentially, classical music playlists, but they're not that. That's not how they're presented. They're presented as this will help you to relax, this will help you to focus. So, in a weird way, classical has become a super mainstream part of streaming. It's become a thing that you listen to to chill out. Um, so that's kind of exciting. If you have, if you, what Apple now has is a bunch of curators with knowledge. So actually, it could as well as having this separate experience for classical fans, it could start to do really interesting things to draw people in on its main service too. So I think that's the, that's the interesting point of view. I think we've done a few things with classical labels recently. We, did a, we got this thing with the BPI, Music and Tech Springboard, where we talked to labels. And one of our videos we did, uh, we talked to a bunch of classical labels. And they were talking about how they, they're excited about streaming and they're excited about streaming as a way to find new listeners and to serve people who love classical. So I think in that world, I think there's there's a lot of, as there is in the world of industry, there's a lot of kind of excitement about, well, how can streaming help our business grow? How can it bring us new listeners? How can we find new ways to package up the stuff we've got to kind of find new people? So I think that is a trend. And I think Apple doing this, I mean, I don't know how much they pay, I don't know how big a bet it is, but it is a bet on we think there's more to, to come from this. We think there is a bigger audience or we think we can serve people well. And... I don't see how the rival services can do anything but think, okay, what do we do? What's our classical offering like now? How do we improve it? Do we need to acquire someone or do we need to hire in a bunch of new creators or do we need to create our own offshoots? Like if you're Amazon Music, for example, they, they've they gone really big on HD and HD is something that is really good for classical music because when you hear an orchestra, mm. that's one of the kinds of music where you say, actually, now I understand HD because I can hear this orchestra know, So I think this could be a really interesting moment for the whole classical sector, if all the streaming services start do, making more of an effort really and, and trying to, and again, it is about serving those fans who have been underserved, but it's also about taking some of those people, who maybe have only heard a peaceful piano playlist and saying, well, actually, if you like that, here's a way in to understand what other kind of classical music you might like. So that's kind of exciting, I think.
0: That's an interesting uh, change in uh, consumption patterns because I think, um, or potential change in consumption patterns because historically, I think there has been a chasm between the pop music fans and classical fans and it sort of feels like you're in one camp or the other and or maybe you sort of, uh, like golf, you reach a certain point in life where you transition over into doing it, you know, <laughs> uh, and listen to classical music. Um, sorry, golf fans. More um, or less. But it... it Yes, all letters. Um, but I, I, I yes, you, you made a good point there, which is I wonder if that the, the sort of the mainstream streaming platforms focus on um, mood has made people think about what they like. It's introducing to music they don't like, and maybe you know, it, you know, instead of just sticking on an old Orb album to chill out, which is kind of generally the path I go down, you might start thinking, well, actually, maybe you know, I can dig into this. Um, it, classical, I've I've got a a dedicated app and it's going to guide me into classical music. Now, this could be actually something that mainstream streaming platforms can think about because... You know, while it's great, you know, we all know, let's say, certain hip hop classics from the golden age. Actually, that's a long time ago now. And if you if you're 16 and interested in uh, Kanye or whoever that that is a big name, mainstream hip hop artist, and you want to go, you know, you you kind of it's intimidating to go back and to understand music when you look backwards without guidance. And maybe this is the kind of thing which could actually bleed into. the kind of behavior on other platforms as well. In terms of one, one other interesting thing here is that you know we're talking about classicals separated away from uh, mainstream streaming platforms, uh, as if it's the only sort of uh, separation. But actually, one of the things that we've written about a bit recently on Music Ally is niche streaming services, so services that focus just on one country's music or on one genre of music, like reggae or something like that. Um, do you think that? classical of course is is the, probably the hugest of of the niches in that sense but do you think that what about those niche streaming platforms where it's like well hey download this app and you will be able to be guided through uh, you know classic reggae or canadian music you know is, is that something that you think might pick up and a bit like how we have a fragmented uh, system of tv pr- providers and streaming
1: platforms yeah it's difficult really because i suppose traditionally the answer would be create some playlists you know create playlists like i remember for example trojan records is an amazing spotify playlist that was kind of the place you need to go and and the problem with those was it was very hard on those on spotify certainly to build an audience for those because the the algorithm wasn't really recommending those 35 plays at the same thing so you relied on spotify having a reggae department or a jazz department creating playlists and that was your way in Um, Apple Music has always been interesting. They have always, from the start, have made quite a big deal out of curators and guest brands and having people in. So in that sense, that's been the way they've gone down. But they've actually made it more possible for you to kind of build an audience, perhaps. So, yeah. So the next thing we're on is to launch a whole streaming service. And it's it's a tough thing because making the numbers add up, you know, getting enough people to subscribe, to turn bills in, ad funded is difficult. Depending on how big or small your niche is, ad supported is more or less difficult. Because you know you have the numbers that are big, so traditionally we've written about them. We've been like, this is interesting and this is cool, and they've got some good ideas. And if those ideas are good, maybe the big DSPs will do them. In which case, this maybe isn't a need for this. And if those ideas are too niche, then they won't. So it's always been sometimes difficult to see in building a business. But we've we've written about uh, what's it? Uh, Gimme, Gimme Rock or Gimme Metal. We've written about the Metal streaming service. We've written about Jazz Two in the UK launched last year, I think. So and we've we've written about prime phonic and other streaming services there's another classical service that started off gramophone i think it was started off as a streaming service alone and then relaunched built on top of spotify so it's kind of a layer on top of spotify so you would sign in with your spotify account and then their curators and their playlists and their content would give you the context so i think that's that's a possibility but again it's hard to make a business out of that because i think often you can't really charge for it
0: so the, the, the offering that you're paying for is, is something separate to the music, isn't it? Because, like you say, it could be a it could be a playlist, it could be a, a, a public service broadcaster that specialises in classical music. So, what what you, I mean that's interesting. You know, the cases you've said there are very interesting. You know, I can imagine, for instance, if someone like Trojan Records or Studio One or whoever all they grouped together and said, "Right, we're going to give you the the best curated experience." You know, there's the, the reggae space, for instance, in the 1960s and 70s. It was, it's all based around singles, so you, you, there's, there's not a really easy way and you have to listen to thousands of singles to understand the context. That's why compilation albums work so well with reggae and some guidance there would be amazing. Similarly, like you say, for jazz, but that idea of um, Spotify pro- providing the sort of, if you like, API platform to build something on top, you know, metal fans, for instance, you can absolutely imagine them affiliating themselves with a metal service.
1: Yeah. And, and actually, Spotify had that period when they had apps in their platform, you yes. know, the desktop app. They had apps within the app and they, all the kind of creation brands were in there doing that. And then they, they closed it down and it stopped. But yeah, I think, I mean, the other thing with classical and to some extent with jazz, although it varies more there, is classical doesn't just struggle in terms of metadata and navigation. It struggles in terms of the way the money is paid out, because you might be a 12 minute piece from a classical music thing going up against two, three minute pop tunes. In a model that pays by the stream, it doesn't pay by time. So again, that's the other tough thing. And that's what I'm interested in what happens on Apple Music, because Apple Music is a similar model. It pays by the stream. You're paid by your share of streams on the platform and classical music, the pieces are longer. Um, So that's what I'm interested in. Like, does Apple launch as a separate thing with a separate model? And could that model be more like, for example, user-centric payouts where you're paid by not only how who listens to you but also how long you're streamed for because that's a better measure than how many streams you have if that makes sense so that's that's something that that is really that's that's the reason why maybe even if you can sort the context out classical still has issues within those big services that pay by the stream so maybe apple could do something there to to, that's good for the classical community as well
0: yes that would be very interesting to keep an eye on and of course like you say we don't have a a ton of information on the um on this purchase at the moment, we don't even know really how much they've paid for it. But yes, it, it it does feel like there will be have there would have to be some sort of different model in there, and it'd be interesting because if if hypothetically Apple did, for instance, um, initiate a per second uh, royalty, or they did a sort of um, user centric payment royalty, that would be a major player in the space initiating that for the first time. Um, because like you say you know in classical music the, the licensing is all a little bit different and everything works a little bit differently so it could be possible and that could again as well as the contextual stuff sort of bleed out into mainstream uh, streaming platforms and it will be interesting to us if anyone from apple is listening and wants to talk in extreme confidence with Stu or i you can
1: email us at the links below this podcast what, what if they're golfing fans we've already, we've already put them up
0: i've just i've just they're, they're golfing fans who listen to jazz on the weekends and i've
1: completely yeah they hate us uh, yeah i mean the last oh. the last thing i want to say is i think classical is really interesting at the moment because i think there's a whole bunch of stuff going on so one is playlists the other is the whole peaceful piano thing which is a way into classical music um, we talked some recently talking about the game music concerts that you're seeing crop up and you're seeing these at these concerts that are orchestras playing soundtracks from games so again games young audience classical music is absolutely part of that world so I think there's all kinds of stuff going on that's like classical I mean it's not like one sector moves in one voice but people in the classical world are finding all these ways of right here's how we reach out here's how we make use digital technology it's a really it's it's a really exciting sector even with those stereotypes of an older audience or you think of it as something that is CDs and performances and theaters actually there's a lot of people there innovating and so I think when this happens, it's just going to give them more kind of rocket fuel to keep trying to, to broaden their audience. So it's exciting in that sense.
0: Indeed. And uh, yeah, we'll keep a keep a close eye on that. And I feel like we're going to be touching back on this um, topic of uh, niche streaming uh, in general uh, over the next year or so. So thanks, Stu. Uh, and if you found that useful out there, please do share this podcast on with someone you think will also find it helpful. We have a free weekly email, The Knowledge, which rounds up a soup song of the best analysis news, Marketing insight and skills from Music Ally, sign up and uh, you instantly become more attractive. That's a fact. Uh, Links are in the description as always, as well as some of the links that Stu mentioned earlier. So that's it. Thanks very much for listening. And until next time, from me and Stu, farewell.